0: Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, Richmond's home for VCU basketball, UVA football and hoops, and Virginia Tech. And tonight's VCU game season opener, home opener, is officially sold out. But if you follow me on Twitter, at AWOD Radio, that's A-W-A-D-D-R-A-D-I-O, I am going to do a giveaway here on a VCU game day. So uh, get in touch with me on social media at AWOD Radio, A-W-A-D-D-R-A-D-I-O. And joining us right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline is Coach Seth Greenberg. What's going on, Coach?
1: Life is good. Getting ready for the season. Look forward to kind of hunkering down and watching some ball tonight.
0: Absolutely. So happy to get you on the show. Welcome to the AWAD Army. Welcome to... Richmond Sports Talk Radio, and let's start with uh, our quick chat from ACC Media Day, and you were talking to me about Ryan Odom. How long have you known Coach Ryan Odom?
1: I have known Coach Ryan Odom uh, since I uh, 1983, when I went to University of Virginia as a student assistant, a graduate assistant, whatever you want to call it, and, uh, the Odoms were kind enough until I found a place to live. I actually lived at the Odoms' house. Uh, Dave Odom, I was the assistant coach then, and Ryan was just a mere child, and we shared a room for about three weeks.
0: So uh, <laughs> I'm not even sure
1: how old Ryan was. But then I uh, was you know the circle of life. Ryan was my my student assistant at, at South Florida and assistant coach with me at, at Virginia Tech. So I've probably known Ryan since she's about three or four years old.
0: That is so awesome Maybe to later. hear. It's Mm -hmm. Coach Seth Greenberg with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. Follow him on social media at Seth on Hoops as an ESPN college basketball analyst. You see him on uh, the big screens all the time, and so uh, uh, glad to have him on the show. And we're going to go around the ACC, uh, and we'll start here with the Hoos, who had a disappointing end to last season, but Tony Bennett, the head coach, has regrouped, retooled, and he's got a very talented squad, and they're eager to start this season uh, with a fresh start after the way last season ended. Uh, what are your thoughts on Tony Bennett's UVA squad this year, Coach?
1: Yeah, I look, I mean, you know, I, it's funny. Everyone talks about doom and gloom about last season. They had a pretty good season. Obviously, it didn't end the way they wanted to in the NCAA tournament a disappointing loss. But uh, what I think about them, I think they're going to be a Tony Bennett coach team. They're going to be hard to beat because they don't beat themselves. They're going to have Reese Beekman, obviously, who's going to be huge in terms of coming back and uh, – pushing out the sides of the box of his, of his game. Uh, you know, I think that, you know, Ryan Ben's going to be, have a huge, huge impact. McNeely's going to have a year underneath his belt. They got to get some play from their front court. Obviously, you know, having Shedrick leave was a little bit of a, a surprise, a little bit of a disappointment, even though he didn't impact the game a ton. The minor kid that comes from Maranac can rebound the ball, uh, score around the basket. We'll give him some quality minutes, but, you know, it's funny because of the expectation and all the success that they've had, um, you, know, you, you, knock, you know, you can get knocked out by anyone. And uh, But if you look through the history of the ACC in the last seven years or so, uh, you know, Virginia has been as dominant a team as there's been in the league. So I don't think they're going to go anywhere.
0: Yeah, no, yeah. I totally agree. Uh, I will say I'm a little worried because the last member from the team that won the national championship, Kihei Clark, is is finally gone. It felt like he was on the team for eight seasons, and so they're going to have to replace their leader and point guard. And I believe they have Reese Beekman lined up to run some point, but uh, it might be point guard by committee. Uh, are you worried about the way they're going to run their offense at all?
1: No, I think the ball's going to be in Reese Beekman's hand. It was pretty much in Reese Beekman's hand uh, a bunch last year. I mean, they played two point guards. I mean, Reese Beekman's not uh, – uh, a two guard. He's a ball guard. He can get in the lane. He can defend the ball. He can initiate your offense. The way they play, uh, pretty much anyone can initiate your offense once they get into their their action. So, uh, you know, again, Kia Clark was a terrific on ball defender, a great leader, had great toughness. Uh, you know, he was a little guard, so everyone said well, he's the point guard. But Reese Beekman, uh, the, Tony Bennett will sleep well at night with the ball in his hands.
0: Over to Virginia Tech and uh, what to expect from the Hokies this season. I'm really excited. They've got Sean Padula and Hunter Couture back. Now they're just going to need some play from the big men down low, some good front court play. But I I think most of the Hokies fans here in Richmond feel really good about the team offensively uh, with the backcourt of Padula and Couture. And and the fact that, hey, Coach Young is here. He's been here. He's kind of established himself now, and and he's got the recruits that he wants.
1: Yeah, Mike does just an amazing job. He really does. And, look, you get old and you stay old, and that's what they've been able to do. And, uh, you know, the big thing with Padula is, you know, he played so many minutes last year, I think it impacted his ability to impact the game defensively, but he's such a hard guy to defend because he comes at you know, he's got to decide, you know, advantage, disadvantage, make good decisions in terms of when to go, when not to go, when to get other guys involved. That's like getting Hunter back was huge. I think the Collins kid's going to have a monster Yeah. I'm a big fan of his. I know everyone's up in arms about, you know, Rodney Rice uh, deciding to move on, but uh, you know, Collins is a hard-nosed, tough, physical kid that guards, gets in the lane, shoots it better than people think. I think he'll be fine. Yeah, you know, the big question is, is up front. Robbie Barons will help some. Makai Long will help some in terms of, you know, having a front court skilled player. Uh, but Kidd and Petit, those two guys, got to just give them rim protection, defend the post, give them a little scoring off of you know, dunk or spot or short rolls or long rolls or duck ins, uh, playing off of the perimeter game. But uh, you know they've got to guard better. The biggest thing for Virginia Tech this year is they've got to guard better. They didn't have the grit on the defensive end that Mike Young's teams usually have, but uh, I was over there to watch practice when Malcolm Delaney went into the Hall of Fame and that was surely a point of, of focus. So, um, you know, I think, that, uh, I think they'll be better on that side of the ball. Uh, we know they're going to be able to score because they run such great offense.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I love what you said about MJ Collins. I mean, he hit a, a clutch shot last year, kind of uh, put him on the map for Hokies fans, and I expect him to take uh, big strides this season. Let's go around the ACC, and we'll tar- start with the team that made it to the Final Four, Coach Laronega's uh, team down there in Miami. How are they gonna be this year, Coach?
1: I think they'll be good. They'll be different. Obviously, they're gonna miss Jordan Miller and
0: uh, Isaiah Wong. Uh, you know, Miller yeah. was such
1: an important part of their team now. Uh, Matthew Cleveland who transferred from Florida State, I think he's gonna have a lot of that role. He's a different player, but he's gonna have a big part in that in that role and uh, you know, he is kind of a Swiss army knife. Uh, Nigel Pack will have a different role. Luka Poplar will probably be the guy that jumps out at you because he's got crazy upside. So Uh, They're going to be very, very good and hard to play against, and uh, obviously, uh, you know, the big fellow in front is just, you know, Norchad is just a a load. He plays so hard and so physical. Uh, They don't defend as well as maybe statistically you'd like, but they do turn you over, and then offensively, they put so much pressure on you. (laughs)
0: We've got Coach Seth Greenberg with us here around uh, on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline to go around the ACC. Follow him on social media, Seth on Hoops, and check him out on ESPN. I'm going to make you choose here. Who do you like more this year between UNC and Duke?
1: I don't choose. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, look, Duke's got four sophomores returning, uh, three sophomores returned to play 29 minutes a game. Uh you know, they're not you know, people say they're young, they're not young because when you play twenty one nine minutes a game, you're you're not a young player anymore. You're an experienced player. And you know, when, when Jeremy Roche and Proctor were on the court together, uh that's when really their season turned around. But uh, the ball in Tyrese Proctor's hands is huge. Roche understands his role off the ball. Mark Mitchell's need to give them good quality minutes at that hybrid four position. Obviously when you have a guy like Kyle Folkowski back who's such a hard matchup. The one thing they don't have right now is they don't have rim protection. Derek Lively really impacted them defensively. They don't have that guy at the rim to protect the basket. Uh, to keep you out of the lane, that's going to be surely a concern. Uh, but uh, they're going to be fine. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, it's going to be different team defensively. They had a great recruiting class, the Stewart kid. That really impressed me. I watched him practice the other day. He was really impressive to me just how hard he played. Uh, and Cal Foster, to me, was really impressive in terms of his athleticism, his length, and his versatility. On the other hand, you know Carolina, I saw them in their exhibition the other day. I loved the way the ball moved. I loved the pace that they played with. I loved how fast they got up and down the floor. They looked for early post-ups. They tried to establish Armando Baycott. The ball had energy. Uh, you know, you know Cormac Ryan can really shoot it. Uh, Cadeau, when he played with R.J. Davis, I think R.J. made his first five or six threes. Uh, brought a lot of pace to that what they were doing. Harrison Ingram's a hard matchup whether he plays three or four. So uh, you know, I think they're going to be good. You know, good. I think Washington's got to be a little bit more consistent. And you know, the high kid I thought has showed a lot of potential. So they're going to be good you know you know they they'll be fine cuz you know what the most important thing is they'll have a better chemistry if they have a better chemistry they'll be that's going to be the key shot selection shot distribution pace of play will be really important
0: coach thank you so much for the time i really appreciate it i'm going to say this no every time i talk to you you're my dad's favorite guy on tv so keep doing a great job there and yeah. uh, lastly
1: one fan i appreciate that
0: <laughs> well he's your number one fan what games will you be watching and focusing on tonight
1: you don't. I haven't even looked at the schedule. I mean, I, I'm in the studio tomorrow, but it's so many. You know, like opening nights, just is just a lot of fun. Uh, there's a bunch of games. Uh, a couple of the Geese games. I'll probably tune in UConn for a little bit. I'll probably. Uh, I'm trying to think. I actually was looking at it. Like, there's a couple of Big Ten teams I want to get a chance to see. So tomorrow we've got a good one. Uh, Nine o'clock uh, on ESPN It's Baylor against auburn that'll be a big time opening game out of south dakota that'll be a lot of fun to watch and uh two really good teams uh a different team people don't understand baylor the last four years have the most wins of any power five team that's pretty yeah. crazy yeah, yeah that's it and an auburn is an experienced team starting you know two seniors two juniors and a freshman probably tonight uh so that's a big time opening night game so that'll be a lot of fun
0: Coach, it starts tonight, and uh, it's the race to March, so thank you so much. I appreciate it. All
1: right. Thank you. Appreciate it.
0: Yep, you're listening to AWOD Radio here on The Fan. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105-1 FM. You can always – Call in be the quarterback of this segment, 833 804 We could talk college basketball, college football, uh, VCU hoops, the Commanders, or just what's been going on here in Richmond, Virginia. It's 833 804 I'm broadcasting live from Capitol Ale House here in Innsbruck, while Stubb is on the ones and twos from the production studio off of Bozzi Road. What's going on, Stubb? Did you have a good weekend?
2: Uh, I had a, a sick weekend. As you know, All I right. have mono- but uh got You're a lot fighting of rest. through it. Fighting You're through fighting it. You're
0: fighting the good fight. Uh dude, so I had uh my friend Connor and his beautiful wife Morgan's wedding and I'll I'll be honest with the audience here. I had anxiety all week about this wedding. Not about the gift, not about uh you know who were the hot girls going to be at the wedding? More about could I fit into my suit that I had purchased in April. And I am happy to say that I, I fit in the suit. I looked good. I got a lot of compliments from people. And uh, it just it felt good to fit into something for once. Usually, you know, I get something and then a few months later, oh, it's too small for me. And uh, um, so that was uh, the best part about my weekend was really just fitting into that suit. But um, it was a lot of fun this wedding. It was at um, Triple Crossing Uh, In Forest Hill, the brewery, known for their pizza, unbelievable pizza, uh, great beer. Everyone said, you got to try the Falcon Smash. So I smashed a couple of the Falcon Smashes. Um, But they had this thing stub I'd never had before. So I guess breweries, most of these in Richmond can't serve liquor. So they served like this licorice drink instead that's like, I, vermouth or something. I was over my Ooh, head, ugh. but it was nasty. I but, hate Vermouth. Uh, na- kind of nasty in a good way because, like, after you drank it, you were, like, ready to get right on the dance floor and, uh, you know, pop, lock, and drop it. But uh, we had so much fun. After Party was at Patrick Henry's in Church Hill. That is such a cool bar. It's got, you know, it's like a hole-in-the-wall dive bar, but it's kind of, you know, classy-looking, fancy, and parts inside, and uh, great drinks there. Uh, we had a great time. The funniest moment from the whole thing, right? So Connor's, Connor's sister has a son, right? Connor's sister has two kids, and I, they're probably like five and six. They were the stars of the wedding. They were running around, you know, sitting on all the girls' laps. Everyone loved them. They were so cute. And there was these stickers at the wedding that said Connor and Morgan, and I had a picture of the two and the kids were ripping off the stickers and sticking it on people's backs. My my <laughs> friend Patrick had 15 stickers on his back. I had like 3 or 4. This kid was a ninja turtle. He was going around and sticking people in their back with the with the sticker like just like slapping it on your back and running away and you wouldn't even feel it. And then you'd know when you you know you'd talk to someone you'd see like 14 stickers on their back. So this kid was a menace all night. All right? At the after party at the bar. I'm talking to the bartender, and she's really sweet. She's a nice girl. She's like, I was so excited for uh, the wedding party, and she was giving away a few free drinks. And so I'm talking to her, I'm having a good time. And the little kid comes up, and he goes, Why are you talking to him? That guy's married. <laughs> <laughs> and the waitress or the bartender was like, Freaking out, what? He's married? I'm like, I'm not married, but there's there's no way you could come back from that when a six year old tells a girl that you're married. What? And she's, she was so put off by that. What was this dude? kid
2: doing in the bar?
0: Just, just blocking at the, at the me. after just, party. You know, it was sent. To, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> sent down from hell to to be the ultimate block, and it was. I couldn't believe it. Like I didn't know. How do you respond to that? You know, a six year old says, "This guy's married. Don't waste your time with him."
2: <laughs> yeah as much as you want to deny it like why would the kid say that you know
0: <laughs> it makes no sense it makes no sense but uh that kid that kid stole the show at the wedding uh but it was a really great time so absolutely uh congrats to uh connor and morgan and uh, they begin their honeymoon i will say this this is the one thing i'll say um about the wedding connor has been to over 250 vcu basketball games in a row tonight's the season opener the home opener He's missing the game for his honeymoon. That's true love right there. If that's not true love, <laughs> Stubb, then I don't know what is, right?
2: He, that was a good number, 250. You know, I think, I think it all worked out.
0: He, he's going to be mad at me. He's going to text me and be like, it's actually 274 straight games. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's a diehard VCU fan. That's why he's on the Black and Gold Fan Podcast with me. New episodes every week talking all things VCU basketball. Uh, Stubb, one thing I should mention about my weekend was I did finally get around to watching – Spider-Man Across the Spider-Reverse. Oh,
2: oh Amazing. yeah. That's my, um, it's, I'm, that's this my second favorite movie right now. It's one of the greatest things I've ever seen in a theater.
0: It just, it looks so cool. I watched it from the home theater, the AWOD theater, uh, but I, I might even watch it again tonight. Like, it, it, the story was the story was fine. The story was really good, but the the visual aspect of it it was so cool. And you know, seeing a hundred thousand different Spider-Men, yeah. Spider Men, s- Spider Pigs, all this kind of it's, thing, it, it was really cool.
2: It's one of the most beautiful animated movies ever made, if not the most beautiful. And it's a it's a Spider Man movie. You know, it's it's. Like- and yeah. I love Spider-Man. And don't sleep but, on the
0: fact that it's not all animated. Like There are a few cut scenes where they cut to like Tobey Maguire or they yeah. cut to have Andrew you, Garfield.
2: Have you heard the story of the Lego parts of the movie?
0: Uh, no. Well, I remember the Lego part, but uh, give me the story.
2: Yeah, so this kid, this 14-year-old kid, uh, remade the trailer of Across the Spider-Verse and Lego. And then they were like, this is great. And so they pulled him on. A 14-year-old did that segment of the movie.
0: What? Yeah. So he like drew it and everything?
2: Yeah, he animated the whole thing. He did it all by himself. Oh, my goodness. 14 years old and he has a a big part in the movie.
0: All right. So, last thing about the movie, though, is there's a huge cliffhanger at the end. Do we have any idea when the next movie will come out?
2: So, initially, they said March of 2024. If I had to take a guess, I would say March of 2026.
0: Ooh, wow. You asked me like two years later. Yeah, the
2: actors haven't even gone into the studio to record yet. Oh, my god! It's not coming out in a couple months.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'll give them credit. I mean, it was so visually appealing that take as much time as you want. And and that's one thing I tweeted about after I saw the movie was the rewatchability is like a 10 out of 10 because – you know, you might know exactly what happens in the story and now you can even rewatch the first one because it just looks so awesome. It looks like three D. It's yeah. amazing. I,
2: I got a poster of the first one in my room. I saw this one day one in theaters on the Thursday. Uh but I haven't given it a rewatch yet, but it's on Netflix, so yeah, I think it's, it's time Netflix for a now. rewatch.
0: Yeah, did you watch anything interesting this weekend?
2: I watched a lot of movies this weekend. Uh, uh
0: nothing Nothing too. Nothing great. Uh, Nothing well, worth no, talking about all, on it was the radio.
2: Ten uh, things I hate about you was probably the best thing I watched. If you've seen that, it's a.
0: Have you had never seen that before? No, it
2: was a lot. No, I had not. Dude, it's... you
0: can't call yourself a movie buff until you've ever seen every Heath Ledger movie ever existed, right? And that's a great I... one. And you <laughs> it, know what, it dude, is. dude? I feel bad for your school system. We we watched that in school because you did? it's Taming of the Shrew. Yeah, because dude, it's a Shakespeare. I, no, movie. I know
2: it's Taming of the Shrew, but I, th- that's a that's a dirty movie.
0: Well we read the book in in 10th grade English, and then we watched the movie like the, like a week later. and yeah, I, I loved they're it.: They're so
2: crazy about what we were allowed to watch in high school. Really? I, I guess I guess like the eight-year difference between us, they changed
0: a lot. Mm, yeah, no, that is that's an excellent movie. Good call there uh, for watching that. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. If we missed anything going around Richmond or any new movies or TV shows, you can call in right now, 833 804 Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. I'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new Sports Radio 910, The Fan, now at 105, one FM. Phone lines are open, 833 804 You can give me your thoughts on the commander's win still to come on the show today we will do university drive talking all things college football in the state of virginia jam stays undefeated odu with a tough loss virginia tech gets blown out by louisville kind of falling back to earth there after the fan base felt like they could possibly play in an acc championship uva all the momentum in the world they have a bad loss yesterday and they burn Anthony Calandria's redshirt season by putting him into the game after Tony Musket gets hurt. So there's a ton to get to here with college football. But right now it's time for University Drive college basketball, all things local here in the state of Virginia.
3: Let's go to University Drive. Scores, buzzer beaters, madness. All the college basketball in the state of Virginia. We'll follow your favorite team's all season long. University Drive on AWOD Radio.
0: And joining us right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline, so our buddy Marcus Mook Washington. What's going on, Mook? Hey, doing great, my brother. I'm glad that uh, the college basketball season is back. I, I know. I mean, this is one of the biggest days in the calendar year. Uh, all eyes should be on college basketball teams. All across the country. And uh, why don't we start with uh, the school where my mom went to school. And because of that, I was a big fan growing up of Gary Williams. And the Terps, what are your thoughts on Maryland this season?
3: Oh, this fan base is bullish, and they should be bullish. They have the perfect of veteran players and a great recruiting. That's when you can bring back Dante Scott, Jameer Young, which was your leading scorer, and have Juju Reese, who has done an excellent job in a conference that has traditional big you're adding on jamie kaiser and deshaun harris smith there's a the reason why maryland is excited they're going to be good defensively i just got a press conference with he said they're not quite uh defensively where they were at this time last year but he knows they are going to get offensively hey be an embarrassment of riches score off of the bounce they can flat out shoot it they can throw it inside to reese a lot of things to like here, which is why they're picked third in the tough Big Ten. He he has something special here. Could be the best team uh, in the DMV.
0: I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. And on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline right now is our buddy Marcus Mook Washington. He's your one-stop shop for all sports news and opinions from the DMV and beyond. It's Making the Cut with Mook, mtcwithmook.com, and same thing on social media. I think for Georgetown, I hate to say this, but you could argue addition by subtraction. They finally decided to move on from Patrick Ewing, as much as we loved him as a player, both in college basketball and in the NBA. It just didn't work with him being the head coach in Georgetown. How are they going to be with Ed Cooley? Well,
3: Three years uh... Coach Cooley has been preaching all offseason for patients, from fans, and the media. And you know what? I'm glad that he's been flat-out honest about it. This team, beyond the record, we all understand uh, record-wise how bad Georgetown got under Patrick Ewing. But what I don't think people knew was how bad they have gotten outside of that record, on the recruiting trail, getting guys in, how poorly they had been coached over the last six years, and restoring the brand. And Ed Cooley, you know, when you lose as many players as Georgetown has lost, remember now, uh, Ewing lost three entire recruiting classes to transfers. So Cooley started with absolutely positively nothing. And he's brought in guys um, out of the transfer portal, just like most coaches, in today's era will do when they're in this situation. If you are a Georgetown fan, you have to hang your hat on. They have four four four-stars coming in in the 24 class. They are in the running for a couple of four-stars in the 25 class. And the idea that the coaching staff wants to build over their recruiting and then fill in with the transfer portal and not the opposite. Because Ewing tried the opposite, and it was a complete and utter disaster So I would tell Georgetown fans this, 14-17 to wins is a successful season. I thought that picking them eighth in the Big East is being extremely optimistic. I don't know if they're better than Seton Hall, who they were picked in front of. Uh, Again, it's going to be a heavy dose of patience, and they have a good coach. So if I was selling Georgetown right now, I would sell you have a good coach that is going to put this program on the right path. And try to deflect from wins and losses these first two years. And, and, and that's the best you can do.
0: Read more of his work online, MTC with MOOC.com. And over to the 810, we'll start with George Mason. And I grew up a fan of George Mason with Jim Laranaga, but the school has changed a ton since then. And I'm going to actually start this by taking a shot at Kim English. I truly believe he was a social media head coach. All right. In his two seasons at George Mason, they were 34 and 29. They barely sniffed uh, an 8-10 semifinal or final. Never made an NCAA tournament appearance, and he jets off to Providence. And, you know, I wish him the best of luck there. But I do think George Mason's in better hands now with Tony Skin, who served as an assistant coach at Louisiana Tech, Seton Hall, Ohio State, and most recently Maryland. And he feels good about stepping back on campus where he went to the Final Four with George Mason. So out goes the social media head coach. In comes the Final Four guy himself, Tony Skin.
3: Well, for George Mason, if you are an alum and went to George Mason like myself, I will admit that, um, the the thing that you have to be excited about is you have a coach that wants to be here. And before everyone laughs at that, you just had a coach that did not want to be here. And I don't mean that as a criticism, but obviously Kim from the time that campus was looking at this more as a stepping stone somewhere else, as opposed to saying I would be here for at least an entire recruiting class. Tony's skin, that's not what you're going to get. And in a similar situation, uh, there were some players that went with uh, Kim up to Providence, and Tony has filled in the roster uh, via the transfer portal. But what you have in George Mason that you should be excited about is there is a clear path as far as recruiting. There's a clear path of wanting to be there and wanting guys that want to be there, not guys who want to use George Mason as a pit stop. And in the Atlantic Ten, and you already know this, when you get you can have a roster that has juniors and seniors, you realistically can be in that coveted top four going into the Atlantic Ten tournament. Now, George Mason probably will not be in the top four this year. I believe they are picked the finished tenth, which I think is fine because this fan base isn't one of those unrealistic fan bases. I think because of Tony's um, relationship with the university that there's going to be a heavy dose of patience and support for a guy that you know isn't going to leave after two years.
0: I love the way you said that, man. We both agree. I I felt like on the outside looking in, Kim English did not want to be there, and uh, you didn't seem to have a problem with me calling him a social media head coach.
3: (laughs) No, no, and and look, I I will admit this, that uh, in those two years, I do have a, a pretty good relationship with Kim, but the the truth of the matter is is he was always looking uh you know for the, the next head coaching job and I understand that and I'm not begrudging that he gets a uh, a Big East job uh, a fringe power conference some people say the Big East power conference some don't but um it would have been hard to turn down I understand it but for the George Mason community um considering where it is and kind of how the program is viewed. I don't think there's any debate that Tony Skin is a better fit for what George Mason is looking for than Kim English.
0: All right, Mook. Let's get to the real face of the A10, and that is the VCU Rams with their home opener tonight and the beginning of the Ryan Odom era. What are your thoughts on the Rams?
3: Oh, uh, once again,
0: a <laughs> head coach had hired
3: that fits. What what I love about bringing in Ryan Odom that is a guy with proven success and. I'm going to be honest with you, being a coach myself, I love his free-flowing offense, the way it gets guys open, the way um, you can leverage a guy like like Zeb Jackson, who now can be that facilitator along with shooting. And it being more in a flow than more of a a helter-skelter type of situation. And then it opens up for the Jason Nelsons of the world. And just like his predecessors, Ryan will have – a particular way to recruit. And it's not going to be the same as his predecessors, but if you look at what he did at Utah State and the offensive efficiency that they can generate if they don't turn the ball over, this is an offense that is hell on wheels. It's going to get open threes. That's going to open up for inside, in the paint. And defensively, you know, they've been around 70-ish if you look at Ken Palm and stuff, but defensively, they will be fine in the, um, in the Atlantic 10 So great great hire once again by VCU I might as well put that on, on a tape And replay it for you every time Great hire for VCU And I can understand why uh, they were picked To finish second in the Atlantic 10
0: Follow him on social media MTC with Mook Great stuff man, looking forward to having you on Throughout the college basketball season Hey,
3: thank you my brother
0: Yep, you're listening to Wad Radio on the fan Don't go anywhere, I'll be right back no like Welcome back I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105, 1FM. So this is the final segment of AWOD Radio before I hand it off to Grant and Danny. But then I'll be back right here on these airwaves at 6.15 for the extended VCU post-game show as the Rams host McNeese State from the Siegel Center tonight. And, of course, you can always hear those games right here on 910. The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Or if you're driving around Richmond, you can use the Odyssey app. Download it today for free. It's the best app out there for music, play-by-play, and the best damn sports talk in town. But usually on Mondays, we love to recap all the college football action, and we haven't been able to get to that until right now. It's time for University Drive. Let's go to
3: University Drive. Scores, rivalries, rankings, all the college football in the state of Virginia. We'll follow the action all season long.
2: College football, baby.
3: University Drive on AWOD Radio.
0: And we start with the Dukes of JMU, number 23 in the country. And they blow past Georgia State 42 14. The move to 9-0 on the season. Jordan McLeod, we've talked about him throughout the season. The dual-threat quarterback for the Dukes counted for over 400 yards and a total of six touchdowns as JMU remains undefeated with a decisive 42-12 win inside of the Sun Belt. They're 9-0 on the year, now 6-0 in Sun Belt play. And uh, the JMU win was also the eighth against an FBS foe this season. Uh, matching Georgia Southern's 2014 record for most FBS wins in a season by a transition team. And that's just it right there. They are a transition team by the rule of the NCAA, but they're not a transition team by the way they're playing on the field. One of the best defenses uh, in the country, definitely the best defense in the Sun Belt, and an offense uh, that can move the ball with the quickness and score a ton of points. It was 14-7 at halftime. And then all of a sudden, with the first two drives of the third quarter, it was 28-7, to then 28-14, and then two more scores in the fourth quarter, and JMU cruises to victory 42-14, to just like that, 9-0 and during the season. And, you know, we, we told you the story is going to grow and become more of a national story every single week that they get a win. Next up is UConn, then Appalachian State, then you close the season against Coastal Carolina. Those are all winnable games right there, and I think JMU could stay undefeated and be your Sun Belt champions, even if they can't play in the Sun Belt Championship. And we move over to ODU, another team in the Sun Belt here on University Drive, as the Monarchs lost a heartbreaker to Coastal Carolina, 28 to 24. They gave up 15 points in the fourth quarter. They had the ball with a chance to hold on and get the victory, uh, but what happened? They had to punt and Coastal went right down the field. It was Ethan Vasco competing, completing a pass to Sam Pickney for 14 yards and the game winning score. As ODU would get one more shot with the ball, but quarterback Grant Wilson fumbled and Coastal recovered for the win. We move over to UVA here on University Drive. and This is a who's team here. A football program led by Tony Elliott in his second season that had some serious momentum, right? They got a win at home against William & Mary 27-13. You got to win those games, right? Uh, They had to beat JMU this year. They lose a heartbreaker 36-35. That's not the type of win that the program needs if they're going to get some momentum. The next one was when they won on the road at number 10, North Carolina, giving them their first loss of the year, 31-27. Tony Musket looked incredible in that game, uh, throwing to Kobe Pace and the other running backs. Uh, UVA's offense was special in that game. Then they took Miami to overtime. You fall in overtime 29-26, but you're on the road against a tough team in the ACC in Miami, uh, and you're like, all right, we're feeling good about ourselves after that loss, but we've got to get a win at home against, against Georgia Tech. That's not the case uh as what happened was georgia tech scored 21 in the second quarter and took a 24 to 10 halftime lead and then cruised a victory in the second half 45 to 17. big injury news here as tony musket goes down after just two passes in the first half and coach tony elliott had to make a decision they went to grady brosterhouse first for a play as the the medical team looked at tony musket when they Decided the severity of the injury was too much for Musket to return. Instead of going with Brostraus, they went for the win. And the win was giving Anthony Calandria the starting quarterback position for the rest of the game. And he was rusty, 21 of 37, 200 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. And they didn't win the game, end up losing 45 to 17. But the bigger story is that Calandria now has burned his redshirt season. Now, I wanted them to burn his redshirt season. First game we saw him play when Tony Musket got hurt at the beginning of the season. He stepped in and really looked sharp. And then he got the start against Maryland. And the team was up 14-0. Then they decided to go back to Tony Musket. It's the Tonys, right? Tony Elliott making the decision to go to Tony Musket over Tony Calandria, Anthony Calandria, uh, who everyone knew was supposed to be uh, highly regarded. This was going to be a freshman that was hopefully going to change the the, the fate of the program here, maybe not this season, but we saw the flash of potential earlier this season, and that's why I wanted them to roll with him. Instead, they wasted his, his freshman year because they tried to redshirt him. Now it's too late to redshirt him, and he's going to be a sophomore in the next year, but in the eyes of Tony Elliott, he's not even the starting quarterback next year. That's Tony Musket once again. I, I, I've lost it. I, I, I can't support the Hoos if, if they're going to make that decision there uh, because I don't think Calandria is going to play all four years with UVA. Uh, I mean, with a quarterback that has that much skill, with the transfer portal and NIL, uh, I just have doubts. Appreciate everybody listening to the show. It is a VCU game day right here on 910 The Fan. Stub doing a great job producing. I'm Adam Epstein. It's Grant Danny coming up next.